Hope y'all are excited this morning. I'm very excited. Um, start a new message series. Uh, there's a lot of questions about the, the signs of the times and things are going on in the world that's got us questioning a lot of things. And one of the things that popped up to me or came up several times was, uh, you know, are, are we experiencing the world with, you know, these viruses, the virus and all that? Is, is God's judgment on us right now? And uh, first of all, I want to just go ahead and give you the short answer of that, and it's no. Okay? God's not judging the world right now because of the coronavirus or anything else or even the riots and all the recent things that are going on right now. It's not a result of God judging America or God judging the world. That is a result of living, all of that is a result of living in a fallen world where there is sin. Okay, so just so you know that, uh, I want you to look at the person next to you so everybody understands this. Just look at them and say this, sin messes everything up. Go ahead and say it. All you got to do is look around and observe, and this is just the truth. It's just a fact. Um, so I want to kind of take you through, this is going to be a while. Here's, a, here's what I want you to understand about what we're about to embark into, or what we're about to take off into. Um, this is going to be a, a well... Uh, you need to see every, if you're not here on Sunday, you need to watch every sermon. Because if you miss one, you may, you may, you may miss a step and it's going to be hard to catch up or to, or to understand where we are. Uh, the timeline I'm going to give to you, um, if, you're, if you're not paying attention, I'm just going to tell you, this is, uh, this is one of those deals. If you're not paying attention to what's going on, you can, your brain will explode. Okay, just letting you know, it's not, not literally, but it's just, you know, you got to pay attention. This is one of those things, you know. So um, there's one thing that every theologian agrees on in every part of what I'm about to teach you, and that is this. Christ is coming back. All right. That, now that, uh, so the, the title of this sermon is he, Coming in the Clouds. He's coming in the clouds. So I just, this is going to be a verse that you're going to remember because we're going to read it every Sunday together when we get up to preach this. All right. So let's, let's look at that. And I'm going to read everything, but y'all read the underlined. Okay. Ready? Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. So what that tells me is this. Jesus came, what we call, what they call in, uh, in theolo theological terms, in the first advent as a savior. He came as a baby and he was raised here on this earth, and he started a ministry at the age of 30, spent three years preaching the gospel, showing people what God looks like in the flesh. He was crucified, buried, rose again, and went to heaven. All right, that was the first advent. There will be a second advent where Christ returns to earth, and I'm not talking about I'm talking about coming here, standing on the earth again, and he will rule and reign in what we call the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. There's the first advent and the second advent. And this morning, we're going to talk about something that happens in between those things. I want to show you a chart. Don't spaz. Okay? 
Take a picture of it if you'd like. Uh, we may print some of these out and put them in the back. We're going to be following this through our course of this sermon series, all right? Now, see what you see there, that first block in the middle where it says church age. Everybody see it? Say amen. amen. Okay, that is the age we're living in right now. This is the most incredible time in world history. I'm telling you, God blessed you to put you in the age of the church right now. I'm going to tell you why. Because God spoke to Adam and Eve about this age. When they, when sinned, when they sinned against God and they fell, and, and God told them one day there will be one. Yes, Satan has bruised your heel. He'll bruise his heel. It's talking about Christ being crucified. But it said that he will crush Satan's head. All right? And that happened on the cross. That was spoken of in Genesis chapter 3. So the first prophecy of Christ came, but Adam and Eve did not understand fully what God was talking about. And he just moved a little further to Abraham. And when God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and he says, In you, all the families of the earth would be blessed. He was talking about when Christ would come in the first advent. Abraham didn't fully see it. All he knew was what God promised him. So he was, just like Adam and Eve, was in hope of a future Savior. Right? The, the Old Testament saints were saved. Well, let me ask y'all a question. How many of y'all got a credit card? What? You got a credit card? Okay, when you use that credit card, what you're doing is you're taking and you're going to use that credit card and you're going to say, I'm going to pay you later. Right? Right? That's what, well, think about the Old Testament saints. They looked forward to a Messiah. They were saved on their credit card. They, they, they were looking for, a, there was a payment that happened in the future that they were hoping for and God promised them. Go to Moses and we see the picture of him delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt and the picture of the Passover and the blood of the Lamb. And then the law was introduced and they, they had the Holy of Holies where the priest went in and he sacrificed the Lamb and shed the blood for the, repent, well, for the unconfessed sins of Israel. There were sins that they didn't even know they committed, but they shed the blood of that Lamb once a year, painting a picture of the coming Messiah. See, they, they saw pictures of it, but they never saw the real thing. Guess who gets to, got to see the real thing? Everybody point the finger at yourself. See, you got to see it. And we go on and on and we see the, where David was promised as king that he would have an offspring that would rule forever. And God was giving him a picture of one of his, one, someone that would descend from his line and that was Jesus. And it goes on through the prophets and on. And then here comes this time where in Bethlehem there was a little baby born and begin the, second, the first advent. And then after that little baby Jesus grew up, did his ministry, died on the cross, rose again, we entered into the church age. Where those Old Testament saints looked forward to something that was to come, we look back to the one who saved us. You live in an incredible time in the church age. One day... Whenever we don't know, that age will end. Um, at this point in time, let me tell you that at this point in time, there is nothing that's keeping God from this moment. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled 
for the what we call the rapture of the church. You see that where it says rapture right there? That's what we're going to study today. One day, God's going to end the age of the church. And one day, the church will be caught up to heaven to be with Jesus for seven years. And that is the rapture of the church. This is not, listen to me, this is not the second advent of Christ. This is not the second coming where he comes and rules and reigns on the earth. This is where God calls the church to heaven. Now, when God calls the church to heaven, that will begin what we call the seven-year tribulation. In the seven-year, the Daniel book of Daniel calls it the great time of trouble. In the great time of trouble, that's when all those plagues all that death, all those things are going to happen. That's the, when the mark of the beast will take place where uh, they will mark people in some sort of a wear fashion on their wrist or on their forehead and they won't be able to buy, sell, or trade or anything without that mark. That happens in the seven-year tribulation. But what I want you to notice is before that takes place, the church will be gone. We will be caught up to heaven to meet the Lord in the air and thus will begin the seven-year tribulation period. Why do I believe this? First of all, I'm going to show you where Scripture bears it out. This is going to take more than one Sunday. But here's what I want you to understand. This is the main point. It says, at that point, the Antichrist will enter the scene at the moment the church is called out. Why do you think that would be? Well, let me ask you something. I wonder how many people are sitting in churches this morning worshiping God all over America. You ever thought about that? You know, just sometimes I get up and I just pray for pastors. You know, Lord, this is a shotgun prayer. I want to pray for every pastor that's preaching this morning. Like, you know, because there's so many people right now meeting just like we are, and they're believers, and they're following Jesus in America. And then you think about worldwide. Uh, I mean, I've, I've gotten the privilege of preaching in Africa and Man, people over there, they know they can worship. I'm telling you, it's something. But uh, there, there's people right now, I mean, people on Sunday morning meeting in Africa, and they're, they're all over the world. Well, one, one moment in time, what's going to happen is Christ is going to call his entire church to heaven. There's going to be a lot of people gone from here. And when that happens, how many people are going to be in airplanes? How many airplane pilots? How many, uh, how many law enforcement officers? How many, how many of these people that you know, we consider what the world called essential you know, are going to be gone? And what's going to happen at that moment in time is going to go into complete chaos. And when that happens, that's going to be that opportunity for that one guy to step onto the scene and say, I know how to fix all of this. And that's where the Antichrist comes in. See, the... the, the, the the paving the way of the Antichrist will be what we call the rapture of the church. So if you look at these blocks, we're going to study the rapture this morning, and then we'll study uh, each block for the next several Sundays, and probably some of these blocks will take two or three or four Sundays, all right? So just be prepared, okay? Uh, just be ready for this. So let's talk about this rapture of the church. We're going to find this, uh, we're going to start in Revelation in chapter 3 and verse 20 and 22. This is what it says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, 
the, uh, and, and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. Now, I want to stop right there just for a minute. I want to explain what he's saying here. This is not for lost people. This particular passage comes out of the letters to the seven churches. There are letters to the seven churches, the first three chapters of Revelation. There's, and there, each church, God has a message for. And at the end of the letters, this is what he says. He says to the churches, listen, I'm knocking at your door. I want fellowship, real fellowship, real worship with you. And if you will open the door, I'm going to come in. And I'm going to have a sup with you. And I'm going I'm to fellowship with you. And that's what he's saying there. And he says, um, the one who conquers. You know how, everybody, you know how you conquer? I'm going to tell you how you conquer. You conquer through the old rugged cross. When, that, when you see that right there, I'm going to tell you, you don't conquer on your own. You don't conquer anything without Jesus. And it says, the one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I have conquered and sat down on, with my father on his throne. Now listen to that, what he's saying. He says, if you, this is basically what he's saying. If you have conquered through the blood of Jesus because that's the only way we conquer, then you will rule and reign with Christ. Right? That's coming in the future study. Just keep that in mind. Uh, you will rule and reign with Christ one day in the millennial kingdom. Uh, he says, and he who has an ear, let him hear. And this, let's read that church right there. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I want to tell you right here at the end of this, you will read no more after Revelation chapter 3. You read nothing else about the church until Revelation 19. Oh, you do read one more thing it's, we're going to study. It's Revelation chapter 4. The church, after the church is called up to heaven. What I'm telling you is um, the tribulation period starts Revelation chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 19. And in those chapters you will not hear one mention of you. During all that judgment, all those plagues, all those things, you will not find yourselves in there anywhere in that book. Um, praise Jesus. Amen. Okay, so this is the end of the letters to the churches, and then there's the beginning. Listen to what the apostle... Oh, let me, let me give you some history on this book. The apostle John wrote this, wrote this book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos while he was in prison. God gave him a vision, and this is, what, this is, this is how it, it came to be. Okay, everybody say after this. What I'm talking about is, is after the church age, when it's ended. This is a picture, just like the Old Testament gave us pictures of, of Christ to come, the New Testament gives us pictures of what's going to happen to the church, gives us pictures of what's going to happen to us. After this... After the letters, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And, and then first, a what? Voice. Say it again, a what? That's important. Keep it in the back of your mind. A voice, which I had heard speaking to me. And what else? Let's read that. Like a trumpet said, come up here. So there was a voice like a trumpet saying what? Say it again, saying what? Pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on here. The beginning of the book of Revelation. John's seen a vision and he heard a voice like a trumpet saying what? Come up here and I will show you what must take place when? After this. After the church age. 
after those letters. I will show you what takes place after this. And at once I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven with, with one seated on, it, on the throne. And he, was, he, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and of Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. This was Jesus sitting on the throne. They see him. He sees him. And look at this next verse. Just pay attention to this. And around the throne there were 24 thrones. Remember I told you that the church would rule and reign with Christ. Pay attention. And seated on the thrones were what? 24 elders. And uh, they were clothed with what? And with on their heads. I want to tell you what this is a picture of. This is a picture of you and I. Uh, Please just keep that in the back of your mind. We're not going to talk about today. All I can tell you is this. First of all, the Bible tells us after the church, we set, when we go through the judgment seat of Christ, which we will study next week, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment to decide whether you get into heaven. Who de- what decided whether you get into heaven or not? The blood of Jesus, right? When you trusted him. You know what that judgment seat's about? It's about what you did on earth when you served the Lord. Right? It's not a bad judgment. Uh, it's a judgment to, to judge your works as a Christian. And the Bible tells us that every Christian will receive a white robe. Every church member, every, every person who knows Jesus will receive a white robe and a crown for your works. Okay? That crown is called a Stephanos. The reward crown. Jesus wears the diadem. Everybody say diadem. diadem. That's the kingly crown. The church receives the Stephanos. Say Stephanos. That's the reward crown. Take, I'm going to take you back to the Greek era where these athletes ran races. And when they ran at the end of the race, at the end of the race, they were given what we call a Stephanos crown or a reward crown. And this is the crown the Bible says that Christians will get when we get to heaven for our works. So they're, they're wearing white robes and a kingly or a Stephanos crown, and they are the 24 elders. This is the other part of this. Elders, the only time the Bible speaks of elders is it's talking about people. And there were 24 of them. I know this is going to be, I don't want to get hung up on this too bad, but there are 24 elders or 24 orders of the royal priesthood, right? There's 24 elders sitting there in heaven. The Bible tells us that Jesus has made us priests and kings. What I'm telling you is what John sees here in this passage right here where he's looking is he's caught up to heaven, come up here, and when he gets there, he sees Jesus and he sees the church in heaven before this ever starts, right? Now, uh, I want to talk about how that happens. I want to talk about how we are caught up to heaven. We touched on this just a little bit last week. But you'll be caught up before the tribulation begins. Here it is. I want to show you this, right? Yeah, somebody clap. Somebody's happy about this. I know. Hey, I am... I'll tell you, I came prepared to you to, for you to look at me a little crossways sometimes because this is, I'm doing my best. I want you to follow it and it's, it's can be, just pay attention, okay? Everybody look at the person next to you and say, pay attention. pay attention. Okay, here we go. 
So the Bible describes this event that John spoke of in Revelation chapter 4 in a couple of different places. The first place that I like to talk about is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the next one is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which we talked about a little bit last week. So we're going to take the rest of our time this morning and just kind of ease into this about the rapture of the church where God calls the church out of the world. All right. And this is what happens. Now, this, this, this picture right here, if you can imagine with me just for a minute, the clouds rolling back. You hear a voice and a trumpet and Jesus coming down, not to the earth, but in the sky. And all of a sudden, we're caught up to meet him in the air. Picture that. Because... This is the event we're about to read about. I love this because this is God's letter to you. Ready? But I do not want you to be uninformed. Right? God wants you to know about this. I like the King James Version. It says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Right? Isn't that good? Look at the person next to you. Don't be ignorant. Right? I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about what? Those who are asleep. Now, what was going on in Thessalonica was they were worried that God's judgment had come. They were worried because their church members were dying and they weren't going to heaven. I mean, they, their bodies weren't being called to heaven. They were like, what's going on here, Paul? I thought you said that we were going to be raptured out of here. We we're going to be called to heaven and people are dying. Is God judging us now? Kind of like the uh, questions I was getting earlier in the month about is God's judgment on us? He was getting those same questions. So he goes on to explain them. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep, that you may grieve as others who have no hope. I'm going to ask you something. Where's your hope? Where's your hope? When you, when you see a loved one who knows Christ and they pass away uh, and they're gone from your presence at this moment, where is your hope? Tell me. What has he done for them? So the Apostle Paul tells all of us who believe that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scripture, that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve differently, right? We grieve knowing that one day we will see them again. And this event today we're reading about tells us about that day. He says, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For Let's read it right there. Please read this with me. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's the basis, the foundation for everything we are. Everything we believe in. All of it boils down to this. That we, the church, believes that Jesus died and rose again. Man, if you don't believe that, you're not saved. That's, that's, you got, that's, you got to get a hold of that because everything we do here, in, that encompasses it. I tell people the gospel message is not the springboard by which we dive off into the ocean. The gospel message, is, it's the ocean. We've got to believe that. Even, now, this is, this is where it gets tricky. Even so, say through Jesus. Through Jesus. Ready? 
God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Pay attention. Picture Christ coming from the clouds. And picture those who you know, who you love, who've already gone to heaven. The Bible says when Christ splits the sky, those people, those souls are coming back with him in the air. Right? Now, this is, this gets better. Um, I want to show you a couple of things. Why do we believe that when a person passes away that their spirit goes to be with Jesus as they believe? Why do we believe that? Why don't we believe in soul sleep? Their body's laid in the ground, but their soul isn't. Their soul goes to be there. I'm going to tell you why. Here's, here's number one. Jesus was on a cross, and there was a thief there with him. That thief prayed to receive, he prayed that Jesus would save him on the cross. And this is what Jesus said. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, right? That thief on the right-hand side, that's what I believe, he's on the right, right? He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And truly, and Jesus said these words. He said to him, truly I say to you what? Today you will be with me in paradise. When did, did he say at the end of the age? When did he say that thief would go to heaven with him? What day? The day that he died. He went straight to, Je he went straight to heaven. He went to heaven with Jesus. Man, how'd you like that? Show up? You know, if you show up to heaven beside Jesus, you're in good shape. You know, right? And, and, and here's another one. Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. The apostle Paul wrote these words. Yes, we are of good courage that we would what? Rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So that's that spirit leaving the body and go to Jesus. This is what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, 23 and 24. I am hard pressed between the two. Ready? My desire is to depart and be with Christ. Paul was ready to go to heaven. But he said that that is far better for me. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. Paul was talking about a time when he would die and his spirit would go to be with Jesus. So when the Bible says when Christ returns, those spirits, those, those people that have died here, their souls in heaven, when he returns to call the church up, those, they're coming with him, right? Now, um, let's look at this next part. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and who are left. Now right now, if Jesus were to rapture the church right now, we would fit that category. We who are alive and who are left. That would be us, right? But you know how many years this has been preached where preachers stood up and they said the same thing. And how many people were sitting out there going, oh, that'll be me, right? Just so you know, you better get your heart right because, listen, the death rate's 100%. Let's get it right this morning uh, because you don't know your, when your time's coming. So get your heart right with Jesus today, right? Because as we oh, who are alive and who are left, um, ready? Until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For, ready? The Lord himself will descend from heaven, what? With a cry. With what? With the voice of the archangel. And with the sound of the trumpet of God. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 4. Opening, cha opening words. 
The Apostle Paul, I mean, the, the Apostle John heard what? A voice and a trumpet. The Apostle Paul writes about a voice and a trumpet. Oh, and this is really good. Oh, man. And with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, this does not mean that they're going to meet him in the clouds first. It means before, if you are still here and alive and remain, you're not going to beat them there. Christ will raise the dead. The Bible talks about this in many places. Those who are in the ground, and I don't care how long they've been there. I don't care if they're dust right now. The Bible says that God created man out of dust once, and he can do it again. Praise God. So there. All right. So it doesn't matter how long they've been laying there in that grave. The Bible says he's going to raise them up. He's going to raise the dead. They're going to, be the first, they're going to rise first and then look at what it says. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Let's mix in some 1 Corinthians. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but because some of us are going to be alive and remain, right? But we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the what? The last trumpet. What? For the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised, what? Imperishable. And we shall, ready? We shall be changed. What's that mean? That means the dead will be raised and they will be given their body made for heaven. And you, if you're here, you will be given your body made for heaven. You will be changed. You see, as, as bad as I hate it, I get up in the morning and I realize something about myself. You know, I walk in there and I look in the mirror. And I ain't as pretty as I was when I was 20. Right? And another thing, another thing I realized, that if I eat too much ice cream, my belly gets too big. Right? Uh, all this stuff's happening to me. And sometimes I wonder, how, why is this happening to me? Well, it's happening to me because I'm not 20 no more, right? And it's also happening to me because I live in a body that's deteriorating, right? It's just happening to me. I'm going to admit it. Y'all might as well admit it too, right? Well, the Bible says one day we'll be given a body that's made to last forever. You won't be sick. You won't. Feel pain, and you won't get, well, you can, I, I hope there's bluebell in heaven, because I'm going to eat tons of it. <laughs> I bet there is, too, I guarantee it. Right? Done right. So we'll be raised imperishable, and this mortal, let's say mortal body must put on what? That's what's going to happen at this time. When Christ raises the dead, and I love this. Oh, I'm going to skip that slide. I've got a little preach. Go to the brown one. I've got to get you all out of here. The one thing I've got to remember is this is a marathon, not a sprint. We will meet him in the air. The rapture, the church will be caught up. Look at this. That's what the word rapture means, by the way, is caught up. Christ isn't coming to stand on the earth at this time. He's coming to call his church to heaven at this time. And it says, ready, then we who are alive and who are left will be what? We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air.
Okay. That's what's going to happen. Before all that judgment, before all that takes place, you will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Without getting into detail, all through Scripture, the one thing that God has done from the beginning to now was He's always delivered His people out of judgment. Think about Noah and the ark. Think about when God judged the earth and brought a flood. What did He do with His people? He put them in an ark and He saved them from His judgment. You just go down. Everything, God's always delivered his people from his judgment. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. The seven-year tribulation time that Daniel talks about, that's talked about in Revelation, in other places in the Scripture, Jesus talks about it in other places in the Scripture, that is a time of God's judgment. And listen to me, listen to me carefully. You have already been saved from judgment because Jesus took your judgment. Why would, I'm like, yeah, think about this for a minute. Why would Christ go to the cross, die for your sins, be buried and raise again, do all that for you, and then put you through something like the tribulation period, which is God's judgment. He, he was the propitiation for our sins, the one who absorbed the wrath of God for you and I. He, it's done for you. It's paid for. So, here it is. You ready? Let's read it. So, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's going to be an amazing day. When Christ calls His church home. We're going to see people we haven't seen in years. We're going to see grandparents that have gone before us, great-grandparents. We're going to see friends and family, all those people, because the Bible says, hey, have you ever been to a family reunion? You know, those are great. And I get to see people I haven't seen in a long time when I go to those. You know what? This is going to be like the biggest, baddest family reunion you've ever been to. Because we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And it says, comfort one another with these words. This morning, as our band comes up, I want to ask you a question. I want to go back to that first statement the Apostle Paul wrote when he said these words. All of our hope lies in this. If we believe that Christ died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who are asleep in Jesus. Do you understand this morning that Christ is our power over death and judgment? Do you understand that if you believe, boy, God put it so simply, didn't he? It's so simple. You know, this... Everybody, it seems like people worry so much about so many things. And, you know, I, I will admit, you know, I, I, uh, 
The uncertainty in the world today caused some worry. But I want to tell you what Satan would have you to do. He'd have you to live your life in worry. He'd have you to live your life worried about what tomorrow brings. He'd have you live your life. Young people, listen to me. If you're a kid in here, if you're just young and you're looking out at the world and you think, man, there's not much hope for me. Don't let the devil lie to you like that. You go and live your life like you're supposed to, like God gave you. He gave you a gift. He gave you, he gave you himself. And he gave you talent and ability. Go out there and live it for Jesus and quit worrying about whether you're going to be here tomorrow or not. You know, I'm going to say this because I need to say it. I spent a lot of my time when I was a young guy, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of my time worried about what might happen in the future. You know what your future is? Heaven and Jesus. Praise God. Don't worry about it no more. Just go live your life. Live it for Him. Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. This morning... If you have not given your heart to Christ and you can't say that, you know, I've lived my life believing that Jesus died for my sins and rose again uh, this morning, I want to invite you to do that. It's not hard, it's simple, it's just a prayer. God made it simple for us. Everybody say, praise God, it's simple. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. If you want to pray to receive Jesus today, I'm going to pray with you. Now you just simply ask him to save you right where you sit. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. And I know you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I know you can give me eternal life. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. And save my soul. And it's in your mighty name. In the name of Jesus. I proclaim. I'm saved. Lord Jesus I pray for those that prayed that prayer this morning for the first time in their life. I pray that God you would touch them. And Lord give us opportunity as a church to minister to them. To show them how great a God you are. And it's in Jesus name I pray. Amen. This morning, if you pray that prayer with me, I want to ask you to do something. Before you exit out the building, before you leave this place today, grab one of those pieces of paper that are in the back. They're little square sheets that have a place to put your name and your phone number on there. If you need to pray with me or talk to me about something, please fill out one of those. I don't care. Just All I need is a name and a number I can call you, okay? You fill that out and you drop it in the box on the way out the door and we'll contact you this week. I don't care. Listen, listen to me. You're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've sure lived my life a long time and I don't know, you know, uh, does God have grace for me? I, it doesn't matter how old you are. God has, God has grace for every single person that wants to give their life to Him. You, old or young, doesn't matter. So listen, if you've got some on your heart, fill that out and leave it in the back for me in the offering box and, and we'll deal with that this week, okay? Thank you all for being here this morning. Let's stand up and let's